Anger Part 4 and Acts Chapter 12 coming up on The Grey Snapper. So I just tuned my guitar, unlike last time. Welcome to the Gray Snapper Podcast, a podcast of Grace Church of Napa Valley, and I'm your host, Jess Arns. Let's kick it off with a quick encouragement from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Paul's praying for them that their eyes would be opened so that they would know how amazing the hope is that God has promised to you and the riches of his inheritance. So it's not just that you would, not, not just that you have a hope or a calling, not just that you have an inheritance, but that it is a rich and glorious inheritance, and that his greatness, his, his power towards us, that is at work for us, is not a minor thing, it's actually surpassing greatness, in accordance of the working of the strength of his might. There's nothing stronger. God has leveraged all of his power and strength for the good of his saints, the good of his people. That's pretty amazing. So, hopefully that encourages you, but for now, let's get into the weekly warning. Okay, today's weekly warning. I want to warn you against having a Christianity that is merely intellectual on one hand or merely emotional on the other. You don't want merely an intellectual Christianity, although you need intellectual input. You need to understand these things on a deep level. Our knowledge of them needs to continue to increase. That's good. That's fine. There are things that are deep things that matter, but it, it can't just be an interesting thing to learn. And on the other hand, it is important that it affects our emotions. Our emotions should be caught up with joy uh, and glory uh, according to what we've been promised, what has been revealed in Scripture, and, the, and our emotions should be engaged in that but it is not merely an emotional Christianity that we live. And so we, when we come to church, we're not just seeking to learn something. We're not simply seeking to have our emotions stirred. I want to encourage you to, rather than let, leaving it there, it has to then move from knowledge and emotion into actual action, practical Christianity. There are commands of Scripture. There is wisdom in Scripture. There is so much that God has revealed that is meant to be followed and obeyed, so much wisdom. And, you know, we don't, we don't practice those things for our own righteousness or by our own power. It is not motivated for our own selfish gain, That's not, so we need to be careful of that. But it must be a practical Christianity, and God has revealed so much. So with that, we're going to get into a quick resource spotlight by a guy named Greg Gifford, and it's called Heart and Habits, Heart and Habits, and that talks about changing the, uh, the orientation of our heart, uh, renewing our mind according to God's Word, having our desires change, but also we need to change the decisions that we make on a daily basis, the things that we habitually do, we, we need to infuse those with godly habits, right? We need to put off bad habits, put on things that will actually foster spiritual growth and 
and uh, will help us to be responsible uh, believers uh, according to, to the things that God has called us to. And so with that, too, we're going to get into our teaching today on dealing with anger. So dealing with anger, we don't just need to change our heart, although that needs to happen. Uh, we need to change our desires and the way that we think about things. But then we also need to actually take some practical steps, things that we need to think about in order to deal with anger. And so I'm going to, again, uh, give four uh, little practical steps. There's much more to be gained, much more to be learned, but here's a few just for today, and this comes also from Jim Neuheiser's little book called Help, My Anger is Out of Control, again, by Jim Neuheiser. So the first practical principle is, number one, don't be quarrelsome. Don't be quarrelsome. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Do you see those things? Those are those different uh, um, descriptions of quarreling and the, the illustrations of wood to fire and water letting out, charcoal to hot embers. Those things stoke the fire, those things just grow and grow the more that you add to it, right? When you let water out of a dam, it trickles a little bit at first, but then it, then it becomes this raging torrent. Um, wood, again, you have the fire there, and, and the fire, if you don't add more wood to it, it, it slowly dies out. But if you keep adding wood, it will build and build and build. Well, there are things like that that contribute to anger, quarrelsome things. He gives a couple of uh, examples here in Proverbs 17, 14, and Proverbs 26, verses 20 through 21, there's a whisperer, somebody who uh, passes on information, uh, negative information that puts people against each other, creates conflict. So a whisperer goes around spreading the differences. Somebody said something negative about you. I'm going to spread that. I'm going to tell everyone else what you said about them, and that inflames the conflict. Rather than going to that person, rather than telling that person to go deal with that, that issue, that a whisperer goes around and stirs those things up. Um, a contentious man, someone who likes to fight, likes the conflict. There are people like that. Uh, they like to fight and they like to win, and so they kindle strife. So it's important to understand, don't add to the conflict. Don't add angry words, don't add slander, don't uh, say things that stir it up, that, that just make it a bigger fight. Don't be quarrelsome. Number two, deal with anger and conflict quickly. Okay, this is really key. Don't let it fester. Don't let it uh, hang in there and, and grow. Matthew 25, 23 through 24 says that, um, that if you know that your brother has something against you, go make it right with him quickly. If you know that he has something against you, go make it right with him quickly. In the context in Matthew 5, it's talking about someone bringing an offering to the altar to worship God. And he says, if you're there and you're about to make your offering at the altar, which is an important thing, and you realize someone has something to be against you, leave your offering Go make it right, and then come back and make the offering and the sacrifice. Don't let it remain. Don't, don't come to God and worship Him 
when you know that you haven't done what you ought to do to make things right. God doesn't accept such a sacrifice. Ephesians 4.26 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down. Don't, you know, of course, it's not referring to whether it's dark or not. It's basically saying this, don't let days pass without dealing with the anger. Deal with it now. It's a good principle. If there is something that you ought to do to make something right with someone else, deal with it now. Don't wait. And sometimes it might seem inconvenient to go do it. It might be easier to let the conflict go unresolved and wait for people to cool down and all that kind of stuff. But the heart issues remain. A seedling of bitterness can, this is, this is a quote from Neuheiser, a seedling of bitterness can, over time, become a sequoia of hate and resentment. Marriages and friendships have been ruined because the sun set too many times on sinful anger. Not good. All right, uh, principle number three, prepare for temptation. Prepare for temptation, okay? Don't just go happily along thinking that you won't ever face this, this temptation to, to be angry again. It's going to come, so plan for it. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. In the same way that a person who struggles with drunkenness needs a plan for the time when his friends invite him to a drinking party or when his heart feels drawn to his old way of life, a person who has frequently given in to sinful anger needs a plan for how he or she will deal with tempting situations. Here's an example. One possible plan is to read and recall the five key things to tell yourself along with the scriptures when one feels anger rising in his heart. Five key things to tell yourself, which was talked about in an earlier episode. Maybe write those down. Have it with you on a, on a card. When you start to feel that anger rising, pull that out. Meditate on those things. Number four, continually seek God's help through prayer. Okay, this is huge. Don't just do it on your own. Don't just muscle through it. Seek God's help. Walk with Him humbly through prayer. prayer. We know our own weaknesses, so don't pretend like you are strong when you're not. Abide in Christ. Remain close to Him. It's amazing to have a, a Savior who sympathizes with us. He was tempted in the ways that we are tempted, but He did not sin, so He knows how to help you. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Let us draw with near to Him with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not just forgiveness, but help. So pray before the temptation comes so that you'll be ready. And then ask others to pray with you. Well, that is a good place to end for today. So here's the four principles again. Don't be quarrelsome. Number two, deal with anger and conflict quickly. Number three, prepare for temptation. And number four, continually seek God's help through prayer. Well, that gives us the opportunity now to open up to the book of Acts and read chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now before the time Herod, now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. This was Herod uh, in Israel, not, the, not Herod the Great, one of his descendants. 
verse 2. And when he had James the and he had James the brother of John put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison. But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him, unless he hits him. Get up! (laughs) Smacks him in the side. Get up quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Then he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. So excited, she just took off and left him there. They said to her, "'You are out of your mind.'" But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. (laughs) But Peter continued knocking, and when he had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, Report these things to James and the brethren. And then he left and went to another place. When day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers, as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. And then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. Now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and with one accord they came to him, and having won over Blastus the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace, because their country was fed by the king's country. On an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat in the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. And the people kept crying out, The voice of a god and not a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. Okay, stop there. So a couple of things. This is this Herod, he, he killed James. The Lord allowed that to happen. He allowed James to be killed. And then he arrested Peter, but, but he decided to spare Peter and let him out. God had more, had a different plan for Peter's life. 
And then they pray, and God answers. So he's demonstrating, look, if you're in prison, it's because I've let, I've let you be there. If I can let you out at any time. I'm in control of this whole thing. And then you've got Herod, this arrogant man, this king who wants to be worshipped and obeyed by the people there. He gives this speech, and they're saying, it's the voice of a god and not a man. So here's this arrogant man who thinks he is in charge of everything and loves the praise of people, does not give glory to God, and God basically says, all right, you're done. Kills him. But now look at verse 24. This, this, arrogant, man had been, this arrogant man raised himself up, right? Struck down by an angel. But, verse 24, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. So the amazing thing that I just want to show here is that that these little men that think that they are kings, we're to show honor to them, but God is really the one in charge. And they're and all of them will raise themselves up against the gospel for various reasons, for various motives. You got the Jews and the Gentiles both here uh, raising themselves up against God and against the gospel, trying to stamp it out, trying to kill their leaders and disperse them. But the word of God cannot be stopped. As you preach the word of God, you, 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 might, you might die, you might end up a martyr, but you'll go be with the Lord. And we have nothing to fear. And we don't have to manipulate this thing. Notice there's not, there's not church growth techniques here. These aren't like special uh, methods that they used. All they did was preach the gospel of Christ, prayed, lived it out, were willing to suffer for it, and God exponentially increased the number of people who came to faith. Well, with that, I just want to thank you for listening to the Gray Snapper podcast, a podcast of Grace Church of Napa Valley. If you'd like more info, you can go to gracenapa.org. And until next time, keep swimming. No, not that. I'd say I'm improving.